0: The city you go Say your place just took it up and do it all over again. So if you peace to rest. remember were we'll Hello and welcome to Unless the Lord. I'm your host Alan Getty and here today on the back patio. So you might hear some noises. Uh, it's just real pretty. And so I wanted to be out here on the back patio when I started talking about my book today. So I told you guys that starting September, I would kind of uh, kind of go through my book and, and start to um, just sort of go through it. Oh, my book, you ask. Oh, you did, you did ask. My book is called Unless the Lord, And it's a book based on Psalm 127 and trusting the Lord through Psalm 127. Uh, You can buy my book at uh, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Walmart, anywhere you can buy books, you can buy my book. Uh, You can also go to my website, unlessthelord.org, and you can buy it there. You can also contact me through unlessthelord.org if you have questions or you want to know a little bit more about me or you want me to talk about a subject. For the next few weeks, though, we are going to be talking about the book. I've, I just wanted to kind of uh, go through it chapter by chapter, not read it, obviously, um, but just kind of go through it and just kind of get some some basic ideas of what I was thinking, and uh, maybe share a little bit more about the story and <clears throat> that's in there, and, and talk a little bit more about what what I see in Psalm one twenty seven that that changed me. Um, <clears throat> so. I am actually going to talk about the introduction because in the introduction of my book, I talk about the past. And so here's the deal. So when I was growing up, I always heard people say, when I was a kid, it was better because. When I was a kid, it was better because. And so... I, I grew up thinking, man, it must have been a lot better in the 40s and the 50s or the or the 20s and the 30s. And then in history, I learned about the Great Depression and World War II. And I'm like, okay, that doesn't sound better. Um, but everybody had this idea of their childhood, their decade, being the best decade ever. I think that's an interesting thing because... So many of us grow up in our world thinking, well, this is, this is the best or, and so I, I've always thought that was very interesting, but what really interested me about that was where it led us. So, um, one of the things that I've always struggled with as a Christian and as a man is what those individuals said I was supposed to look like as a Christian and a man. You see, when I look at the 1950s and I always think about um, Leave It to Beaver, just happens to be a show that I think about a lot when I think about the 50s is Leave It to Beaver. And here you had a man who went out, worked all day, came home, wife stayed home, dealt with the kids all day, fixed all the kids' problems, And when dad came home, he was greeted with a newspaper, you know, dinner, the kids, hey, dad, and knowing that he had to have his time. Um, And so there was, as I grew up, there was this concept or idea that I, that as I got older, I would find a wife who stayed at home, who did not, um, you know, just listen to my every desire and took care of the kids so that I didn't have to worry about it. And that, that concept or that idea was really was even, I would say encouraged by the church. Um, when you met people at the church who mom was stay at home, mom dad worked and that was just the way it was. Now I'm not, I'm not, I don't have a problem with stay-at-home moms. I, I want everybody to be aware of that. My problem, or and it wasn't even really a problem until I realized it was a problem. My thought is is that somewhere along the line, we made that the norm. We said that is the the proper response. <clears throat> and so um so I began to think long and hard as as I grew my family, as I started um, developing my family thoughts. First of all, I had, I had married my wife, who wasn't going to be a stay-at-home mom. We did try it one year. Uh, we tried to be a stay-at-home mom. Um, she did. The year we moved to Roswell, she spent a year at home and uh, at the end of that year was ready to go back to work. You see, she believes, as do I, that her job is mission field. She's a public school employee. Um, she used to be a teacher. Now she's a principal. And, um, but she still believes that her job, her vocation, is a mission field. And I absolutely believe that. And so she didn't want to stay at home. And I began to look at these. And as a pastor, you would hear, uh, this is what a pastor's wife looked like. You know, she played the piano, she did this, she did that, all those different things. And it's like, but, but wait a minute, but that wasn't what I had. That wasn't what I saw. And more importantly, wasn't that maybe I could or I couldn't be that husband, but it put all the onus and the responsibility of the provision of my family on me. That is where I began to really think about Psalm one twenty seven and what what the Bible says about our responsibilities as as heads of families, whether it's husband wife, husband, whatever that looks like. What what did Psalm one twenty seven say about those things? See, I had been raised with this idea that it is my job to make sure that my family is well taken care of, well provided for. And I saw that in my in my life. My dad provided very well for our family. Um, even in the real slim times, I always felt that my parents provided well for me. My mom and dad were divorced when I was five, so there were some things that, that were not my dad's responsibility. Um, in fact, in many ways, I would say that my dad was not the provider for my family. My mom provided for my family. And dad dad provided for for him and for us too. We, we had a dual provider. It wasn't a, it's his job, it's my job. It was, it's the job to do it. But I didn't grow up in a home that took into account that God was going to provide it. So that brought me to Psalm 127 and Tamara shared... Uh, Psalm 127 with me a long time ago, and that's my wife. Um, and Psalm 127 says some really interesting things about provision. And I loved Psalm 127 the first time I read it, not because um, not because of the provision, but because of the hunting aspect. So you know I love to hunt, anybody who knows that. And um, you know I love to hunt, and so... I uh, really loved this verse because it talked about arrows in the hands of a warrior. And I thought, well, archery, people that archery hunt, they're closer to God. Okay, not the truth. But I want you to listen to this verse, this passage, because it's going to be the focal point of um, the next few weeks. And it says this, it says, Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city... The guards stand watch in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat. For he grants sleep to those he loves. Children are a heritage from the Lord. That bird, right up there. Hey! Okay, well you're going to get that in the podcast, sorry. Children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of the warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in court. Now, what, what this verse did for me, probably more than anything, was it, as I grew and as, and as we grew as a family, we really took this to heart that we aren't building the house. We aren't protecting our children, and we're going to talk a lot about that over the next few weeks. But ultimately, this verse was one that we kept going back to as a as a couple, and we made decisions. We made um, we made decisions about so many things in life based on this one verse, based on this one passage, and I and. And it wasn't just this passage, but you can see it over, over, and over again in the Bible. Ways that you see God provide, God protect, and ways that you see children being heritage and being that continuing on of the faith. And so for Tamara and I, it became a life passage. We really lived it out. And so, and it became very difficult for me to comprehend the two things together. How can I be provider for my family, provider protector for my family when I don't have the ability? What I learned very quickly is I couldn't do it. No matter what great job I had, no matter what, no matter how much alarm, cell phone, car, whatever I had, I still ultimately was not providing for my family and was not protecting my family. And that became a source, at first, it became a source of a lack of confidence. You see, because I realized that I couldn't provide and I couldn't protect. And at first, that lack of confidence was, I needed a better job, I needed to do this, I shouldn't be in ministry, I I should be doing this, I should be a better saver, I should be... All of these things crept into my brain as things I wasn't doing, because even though this verse, even though this passage had eked its way into our life and was was absolutely true, I didn't believe it. See, I still believed the lie that said I was the provider and protector. And so this passage then became sort of a, a mantra, not one that I lived by really well, but one that I think we as a couple constantly went back to. And so I wanted to take the time to share the stories and the things that we did in our life that we could go back to and we could say at this point in time, you could see God providing. And that of course is always good because you're going to look at your past and you're going to see the ways that God moves and you won't see those things in the midst of it. In the midst, what you're gonna see is the struggle. But if you go back and you look back from where you've come and the struggles you've been through, it's so much easier to see God's hand at work in those situations. So for the next few weeks, that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna go through this book I wrote, Unless the Lord, and uh, if you haven't gotten one, you can still get one. Um, go to Amazon, go wherever and, and, and get one, get a copy. You can get a digital copy and have it today at, at iBooks or, or, huh, <laughs> I almost said Trindle, but, um, Kindle. Uh, so you can go and get the digital copy, have it today. It's cheaper. And, uh, to be honest with you, I get more money off of the digital, digital copies. So, um, go get a digital copy and let's start going through this book. I hope you guys have a great week. Next week we'll talk about chapter 1. Chapter 1 is called A Good Camp. So, um I I can't wait to go through chapter 1. It's a great story. Um I'd love to tell you more about that story and uh and love to tell you more about what it means to have a good camp, a good home, a home that is following the verse, Unless the Lord builds the house. So, um, when the Lord builds the house, the house is built well. All right, guys, have a great week. I will talk to you next week. Um, hopefully, I'll do it on Friday. I've been missing Fridays just because I've been a slacker. That's all. There's no really good reason. So, guys, have a great week. Again, you can get my book, Unless the Lord, at all places you can get books, digital copies available at iBooks and Kindle and probably other places, too. Check out my website, unlessthelord.org. Contact me, alangetty at gmail.com, through Anchor, or through my website, unlessthelord.org. We'll talk to you next week. Bye. Unless our Father builds the house